This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, LS Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com It's Swindon Town. Hello, Joe. Hello, Rich. Are you well? I'm well. Uh, it's not fun following Swindon Town at the moment. That, how's that for a, a lead into, <laughs> into another episode? But um, I'm feeling good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to a Good Friday game. And I'm looking forward to Monday at Tramier. But th- me looking forward doesn't necessarily mean me thinking we're going to get six points. But uh, for the love of the swim. Yeah, I don't think the Friday game will in fact be good. It could also be incredibly bad based on all of the other matches, but no, it should be fun. And a nice double game weekend, two losses in a row. It'd be good, be good times. Yeah. Yeah. It just feels like we're sharpening the knives on the podcast <laughs> perennially for the last few weeks. I wish it was, wasn't the case, but uh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, It's when you can see these things coming. Cause I checked, checked my phone after about 79 minutes of the Hartlepool game. So for, if it's still one nil, we're not winning this game. Mm. And lo and behold, we lost the game, which I, even I, even my negative thought process didn't think it would go quite that far, but it's just not, not a lot of fun having to think about Swindon at this moment. And when that happened, I decided I wasn't going to write anything to the normal what we learned article, because if the players aren't going to bother, then neither am I. Oh, there's 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 the first dig. Ooh. There's, there's probably going to be a few more, let's be honest. <laughs> it was very frustrating last weekend, and I think we're all in the same boat as yourself. Like, well, if we're not going to score two, then this could get sticky. And when, when they equalised, 
naive Pullen thought that would be it. You know, I, I, it was such a typical late equaliser to concede. And then I saw that the game was still, you know, you're following it and you think, well, it's still playing out. What on earth is going off? Oh, crying out loud. And that was that. And it, it was predictable. But even even I thought a draw would have been enough punishment. And I think the reaction from the fans would have been the same for 1-1 too. I, I honestly think that. Yeah, I don't think it really changes anything, especially where we are. A point, no points. Is, you know, it's all the same, especially as the same thing keeps happening. I worked it out and that's now the 15th point we've dropped in the last 10 minutes of matches this season. Wow. Uh, we've gained back three. Both of those happened under Lindsay, but... Yeah, it's as as I said after the game, there's got to be some sort of record. I can't imagine a team has been this bad towards the end of the games <laughs> as we have. Oh, that's some unforgiving research that not enough of people would appreciate if you went deeper into that <laughs> into that uh, <laughs> research. But yeah, well done for for clocking up those points. Um, an apology to you because last week you did the press, of course, ahead of Hartlepool and. People didn't hear it, but right at the end of the audio that you send me, just as you say, that's it, thank you, Jody Morris says, is that Baggio in the background? And that would have just been enough for the last episode alone. We would have led with that, finished with it, and put it in the middle. The Baggio chat, please. You you turned the record off just as it was getting interesting. Talk to me about Jody Morris's love for Roberto Baggio. Yeah, that was that was really the front page headline of last week, I think. Um yeah, I just sort of hang football shirts in the background of, of my room. And the one one the ones the ones hanging up last week was my AC Milan Roberto Baggio shirt. And Morris as a as a connoisseur of ball, uh, picked up on it. And um I think we both agreed that he, he would almost certainly still get in our team now. Um, but yeah, he, d- he didn't comment on the Van Nistelrooy Real Madrid shirt this week. But you know, we'll we'll see if I can bait him into in the next virtual cross conference. That's because that's the era where Jody Morris is trying to put reducers on Manchester United players, isn't it? So I guess he would have been Leeds when Van Nistelrooy was around, if he was lucky. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe he has a, a bad relationship. Certainly wouldn't have played against him whilst he was at Madrid. But um, it was it was disappointing. We'll see if I can bait him in. I've got. Rivaldo and Batistuta as well. So we'll see if either of those are more to his liking. Look at this. An international, a, a European version of what Vic does on the sofa. Shameful that you don't get the swin out. Yeah, I, I, you know, I kind of feel like it's a bit arsky to have my Swindon shirts behind. So, especially <laughs> in the press conference. So I, I just have the, what, the, the shirts that I own that aren't the Swindon ones. So I, put the, I specifically change the, take the Swindon ones down for this. Do Andrew and Johnny have shirts in the background too? Uh, no, they don't. Uh, Johnny uses a virtual office, um, the office background, and uh, Andrew's is somewhat more plain. Textbook. Absolutely textbook by both. Yeah, that's pretty much. I, I don't do the blur. I don't do the fake background. You just get like the, the shine of a window and a couple of plants. Yeah, well, until sort of, I think it was about two months ago, I started hang, hanging the shirts up. So it is just sort of two windows back there. Mm-hmm. So we'll try and make it a bit more jazzy. But I, I was formerly of the school of you get what you get and don't get upset. <laughs> Yeah, I, I try not to have my, my bookcase in the background. I know that that was the thing in lockdown, wasn't it? People like to show off the books they, they haven't read yet. Uh, mine's just off, and I could include it. But look, listeners, this isn't a very fun press conference. So we are all filler, no killer this week, are we? 
<laughs> I mean, there's, there's some good flashpoints from the press conference, but Ooh, yeah, I think yes. just, just just to sort of keep spirits high, we've gone we've gone through the non non football chat for a while, and it's it's interesting to me that you're you're not wanting to assert your intellect on others with your bookcase. No, uh, there's not much intellect on that bookcase, I can assure you. Um, firstly, congratulations to the. Uh, under 16s girls of Swindon Town. They've been crowned champions of Barcelona Costa Brava Cup. Uh, and the under 14s got fourth place. I would insist on a trophy parade on a weekly basis until this sorry season for the men is over. Yeah, if there's any trophies to go around, certainly get them on the pitch. I imagine probably not back in time for, for tomorrow, but um, certainly the next home game, get them out there, get get something to get the crowd up. It's a trophy. We won. We can win games. But look at it. Um, <laughs> just to just to just to lighten the mood a bit, I suppose. Yeah, um, we're not going to beat Westbury in the uh, Pete Lusty Derby uh, <laughs> at the end of the season. Given that, I think we're going to play our under seventeen. So we shall embrace and the, the wonderfully named Barcelona Costa Brava Cup. A uh, friend of the pub, Gypsy Vivash, who played in the Stranger Shield a couple of years back, uh, she was involved in that. So a big congratulations to her team. Yeah, big congratulations to them. And you could even parade them during the game just to take everyone's concentration off of doubtless losing of possession. No no talk of Lampard to Chelsea and, and what that means for Jody Morris. Uh, that would have been a fun question. Yeah, that was that was on my sort of short list. I was, <laughs> when I was thinking about this yesterday, I was thinking I could actually get an exclusive here because the Lampard rumours were starting and then it's all been, been confirmed now. And I think uh, even his backroom staff has been fully lined up. So I didn't go there in the end, but I was I was hoping to be able to sell some quotes to the Daily Mail. <laughs> yeah. oh, shameful stuff. Yeah, that would, that would have been quintessentially Swindon, wouldn't it? Just after all that, uh, just losing him uh, to Chelsea for what is a, what, a nine, ten game spell. Yeah, he goes full Neil Critchley on us and... Leave just to be an interim assistant, which which would say a lot about the state of the club, although not necessarily anything we don't already know. Mm, yes, as as I've alluded, it was yourself, Andrew Horse, BBC Radio Wiltshire, and Johnny Leefield of the advertiser for this one. And before we get into the questions, it, it needs to be said it was a very glum conversation with Jody Morris, and I guess that's perfectly understandable. There are a few, as you as you mentioned, a few flashpoints that we'll discuss. It just doesn't feel right at the moment, does it? It's just oh, get this season over the done with, over and done with. Let's have a summer and let's let's start again, please. Yeah, let's give ourselves something something nice over the summer. I don't think anyone cares about the eight games left at this point. All these press conferences are kind of going through the motion. You could tell when when we got into the call that this wasn't going to be the most upbeat, happy, fun times of press conference because Jody Morris looked particularly glum and irritated to be spending his early mornings with us, which is probably fair enough. But yes, it was it was a fairly downcast and even slightly brief by Jody Morris standards press conference. Mm. The opposition for Friday is Mansfield. Perennial underachievers under the Radford era, managed by Nigel Clough, of course. They currently sit just outside the playoffs with a game in hand. Uh, they're eighth. So they really do need to win this game and they have plenty of experience and there they bolstered over the January window they brought in Alfie Kilgore 
from Bristol Rovers, Callum Johnson from Ross County, Davis Keeler Dunn from Burton, who scored a brace against Crawley last week, and of course, our very own Lou Reed, who doesn't look like he'll play on Friday. He hasn't played for quite some time due to injury. They, they beat Crawley last time out. Christy Pin in goal. We know all about it. They've just got so many lower league players that we've heard of. Lucas Aikens, James Perch, Ollie Clark, ex Bristol Rovers, Jordan Bowery. One of the uh, Chesterfield players who downed us in, in 2012, didn't he? And Reese Oates, you know, hearing Boateng on the bench. Very, very strong in comparison, it feels, but they have been clocking up a fair few draws recently. They had a double header at home and they were both nil-nil. So that sort of stopped their progress into the playoffs. They've been on the periphery for quite some time now. There's a different kind of pressure, though, for playoff teams. And I do think they are more prone to making silly errors and, and dropping points in a different way to teams that are under pressure in the relegation zone. Like Hartlepool, they weren't that great. And then they turned it up and, and they got a, a win. And with the teams in 7th, 8th, ninth, it, it tends to be a little bit more nervy. What, what do you expect from this game in terms of what Mansfield will offer? Because we're all expecting Swindon to lose or struggle. I've got a weird feeling we'll get a result. but do you know where I'm coming from when I when I say there's a different kind of pressure for teams looking for a positive end of the season in the playoffs or automatic than there is relegation? Yeah, I mean, your baseless hope has, has usually served us quite well in the last couple of weeks, I think. Yeah. So that's that's actually a good sign. But I, no, I definitely do know what you mean, because when you're chasing the playoffs, it's you kind of know that the teams around you are going to be going to be getting, picking up points because they're supposed to be good too. So they're so you're so you're kind of thinking, well, we we can't let anything slip. We can't make those silly errors. But if if you're at the bottom, you kind of throw more at the wall at it because teams aren't going to be picking up quite so many points. So you know, if if you if you do sort of maybe drop from a win down to a draw, it's not quite as impactful. Whereas when as you're up towards the top, it is very much just looking over your shoulders. Where is, where is everyone else doing the whole time? Because they are invariably winning. Yeah. Yeah, Mansfield, over the last six seasons, let's say, they've had what will be four playoff campaigns where they either got into the playoffs or near damn it. They should have gone up in, I think it was 2019, under Flickcroft, wasn't it? When when they just choked at the last. Um, and then they, they had two terrible seasons in there as well. But, but they do seem to make quite interesting signings and and not do the job they've got a steady hand in Nigel Clough but as history will show he he's known to choke in the playoffs too uh 2015 the good bit of the playoffs yeah the, the part of the playoffs that really mattered I think that season <laughs> yeah it's I mean you know we, we all remember the Beckford stuff but they've or you know they're sort of so league two <laughs> league two like all-stars kind of in in their squad and Nigel Clough as a manager as well but they always seem to be that that one team that is just below the teams who are actually performing and, and never able to actually get over the line. That, is, that has very much been the case for them for quite a while. Yeah, I, I kind of know what Nigel Clough is, how he set up his side historically. Is that very much the same at Mansfield? Well, that's where the change comes about because Jody Morris was talking that they're obviously going to be coming off a big bit of confidence in that win against Crawley, but they have predominantly been a back free side this season, but decided to switch it up after the, the run of draws and not getting the results they wanted. 
um, coming into that game. They played a midfield diamond four instead. Mm. So they played that and instantly got the results against Scott Lindsay and Crawley. So they've 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 switched up and that makes it slightly more difficult. I feel like we heard this the first time we played Mansfield um, about that they changed things up from from Lindsay at the time, um, which made it slightly more difficult to know how they're going to be playing, and that changes the task for Swindon. But yeah, they they have certainly been made, been mostly a back three this season, but you would expect that they would stick with the hot hand in the in the four four two diamond instead, given that they got quite such an instant reaction from it. So crazy how how the the Mansfield game earlier in the season is now seen as the the moment it all started going wrong. Really, I mean, we went into that game unbeaten in three, having beaten Colchester, Hartlepool, and drawn with Bradford. Late, late goal, wasn't it? Um, by Jeffcott, and then we we swept aside Mansfield with a little help, um, and then it, then it all went wrong, didn't it, for Lindsay at that point? But complete opposite this time round. Yeah, I mean, well, that was sort of the the way the season arc because we were in a bit of an upward patch then, and it's twenty third, isn't it, that we are in in the table since mm. since beating Mansfield quite handsomely, which is just very strange. But you know, then we hope. I mean, it doesn't really matter at this point. But if we if we were to sort of get that vendor punked again, where maybe our season divides into thirds around when we played Mansfield, and then we go on and win the final final couple of games. It's unlikely, but it would be it's a nice thought. It's a very nice thought. Talk to me more about that thought. Let's <laughs> 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 hope it just plays out instead, eh? Yeah, let's just let's just get a, a nice red card for Mansfield this time rather than us. And and that's <laughs> it's the point between those two red cards that our season goes from being good to bad to good again. Mm. It'll be a nice bit of uh, symmetry. Yeah, dare to dream. Okay, then. So let's go in with the usual opening of the presser, availability of players. What we got? Yeah, the uh, usual opening gambit. Um, Ronan Darcy is the only doubt that the squad is kind of what it is at this point. Um, so he's he's was bit has been in training the past few days, but they're not a hundred percent sure where he is um, and how likely he is to play. Which, based on recent weeks, means he's definitely starting. But um, it sounds like they didn't have like a full physical session yesterday, um, so they haven't. So he's not gone through one of those yet. But he is um, certainly has been in training, and they'll see where he is at the end of at the end of this at the end of today. But um, I would certainly expect him to be in the squad. Um, the other the other sort of injury was mentioned was Connor Bran, who's took up the key and Harry's role this week um but in a much more positive light because um he has been in training but not full goalkeeper training um so far he's sort of slowly working his way back into that um alongside his blossoming bromance with Luke Jeffcott oh. and um supposedly is doing um very well and they've been pleased with how he has been working when he's been involved that's nice it's a romance that's not going to last forever though in terms of uh, at Swindon that's for sure no it, i don't think it's got necessarily the legs of a of a multi-season thing but they seem to be enjoying each other's company whenever whenever one of them's on instagram they're invariably with the other including Aww. the rather galling cup final they were at last weekend with plymouth uh, yes of course of course 
Oh dear. Um, yeah, Bran, obviously, if he's going to play this season, it will be in the Pete Lusty Derby against Westbury. I'd be shocked if I saw, even on the last day of the season where it doesn't matter anymore uh, to see Bran uh, featuring but it'll be interesting in pre-season seeing what he's all about because obviously that injury came at such a bad time for him yeah it was it was we had that strange thing earlier in the season when we signed him and then he wasn't getting used in the in the stuff crust games so we never actually got to see him and then he got the injury and the warm down at Stockport and as and sort of brought the brought about the rise of Jack Copland and the the mighty Wiltshire Premier Shield side but um yeah, I mean, it will it will be interesting to see what they do with him because clearly Lindsay and Mildenhall, who you should presume would you would presume was the decision making arm, didn't feel him ready to play this season. But he is still very much the number two, and will presumably continue to be so next season. Um, and if and kind of pre season or the Wiltshire Premier Shield final would be the first opportunity we would all get to see what he's about. What are we predict in Ward with Bran next season as the as the one and two? I I I still very much hope that Ward isn't our number one goalkeeper because he just can't pass or that hit. that wasn't the question. Ability was not the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I could definitely see that. I would be surprised if Morris opted if it is still Morris um, opted for <laughs> a goal a goalkeeper with that limited level of distribution. So I would think we would certainly be in the market for one even if maybe Ward does come in as a number two. There was the usual Jake Wakeling love, um, who, of course, returns this week after suspension. Yeah, everyone loves Wakeling. Um, he actually ended up drawing that poll from last week with um, with Aguiar. It was split 50-50 between Ricky and Wakey. And he was referred to as Wakey in the press conference, so still very much there we go. on the cards to have been um, the mysterious illness. Although, of course, he was not going to be involved anyway so it didn't really matter but um he was you know he he's back in after the suspension obviously and um morris's more glowing reviews he's been talking about him being a big threat since he's been at the club and just very much enjoying being able to use a player like that and use it move him around a little bit and have some experimentation with with where they want to play him so yeah, just everyone, every manager we ever had loves Jacob Wakeling. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? And and rightly so, and rightly so. He's had a good season, all things considered. I mean, it was never going to be his August September form for the entirety, but as we always say, as every fan says, his work rate cannot be questioned. Absolutely, it was no, no, no sort of twenty-one year old who's barely ever played before is going to be able to hit up those kind of numbers, but he's still miles clear and all the under 21 categories for everything despite a bit of up and down form in front of goal but as you say he's he's just he's the player that everyone talks about when you say we just want people want to see a team trying because you, you can never throw that at Wakeling he's always giving everything he's got and it's a varying success but hopefully a, a pre-season another one could sort of help guide him a little bit on uh, further on his development and we can see it and sort of a, a Wakeling 2.0 maybe a more consistent one for next season. Yeah, and it's just about looking after him as well and, and making sure we we don't have a follow-up season like Ricky Aguilar's experience, which is from the promise of the tail end of last year to now is just utterly disappointing, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's really not worked for him. He started one game, I feel like he played against Bradford and then got subbed at half-time. 
So it's it's really not been the sophomore season for him at all. Um, I think Wakeling probably did has certainly done more this season than Aguiar did last. So you'd hope there was there's a little bit more to build on, but you know it, it's definitely that thing. You just <laughs> please don't take another step back because we are also as well as him having done very well, we are also committed to Wakeling for the long term. Yeah. Yeah, let, let's move towards more doom and gloom <laughs> here now because uh, there was a little bit of reflection on the on the Hartlepool loss and that was mostly in the form of the coach journey home from County Durham and then uh, moving on from that result. Yeah, the sort of, I think, five, five and a half hour coach journey they would have had all the way back from Hartlepool knowing what had just happened. Um, he said this, he sort of left the talking with the players in the dressing room and came back to it and they came back to training, but they weren't sort of <laughs> being lectured on the bus of this is what you didn't do, these all of these things. Just sort of watching the game back with with the staff and seeing where they were. He you know, had some more positive conclusions from the game. As I said, I, I wasn't bothered to watch it back, but they said they, they controlled the game more than they fought during that second half. And um, he certainly said that... Um, large parts of the first half he would like to see again against Mansfield because he thought Swindon played played well in these periods but it very much came down to not punishing teams when when Swindon were on top and taking those chances to mean that the final 10-15 minutes doesn't mean quite as much because um, well when it come when it does come down to those positions and Swindon are only up by a goal they've they've been panicking quite severely and instead um when they had chances to kill the game off earlier on, and he, he definitely felt watching the game back that, that was that was the key failing of the game rather than what came after. <sighs> That's all I've got. I've got nothing in the. T- <laughs> I've got nothing else to talk about that game. It was, it was what it was, and and you know it wasn't a car crash. You know, the, 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 much of the game was manageable, and then then the conclusion and it just just overrides everything and and Jody Morris said it in the post match he didn't think we would ha- hang on to to 1-0 and there's just something fundamentally wrong at Swindon at the moment i don't know whose fault it is i don't know it's it's probably a combination of things but it's just so ugh. especially when you know playoff charges or attempts are always so much fun and and we've decided not to play along this year and it's just tremendously disappointing yeah it's gone it's gone very phil brown i feel like where you're we're so close we just need to play not quite as badly and we can be in there and we've we've decided to in fact go the other way and be worse and even more agonizing in the way that we decide to not get results instead of just sort of playing bad turgid football we play bad, turgid football and then get turned over in the most annoying of fashions every week. Um, so, yeah, it's. I don't think anyone wants to focus on Hartlepool too much because it's just another in a litany of galling defeats. But Yeah, yeah. I think even under Brown, we were closer to the playoffs, but we just couldn't get a win. We had that run of four draws, and I remember that ending right about this time of the year against Yeovil, who were going down. And uh, and we conceded a very very late goal. Gosh, I'm just looking that up now. There was only five thousand seven hundred there that night. Good grief, good grief. That's that. I mean, the the big shining light of this season has been the fans turning up. It's incredible to think that only five years ago 
we were playing Yeovil in front of less than 6,000. Gosh, it's hard not to think we're not far away from that ourselves. Thank goodness most of the teams that we play at home for the remainder of the season have something riding on it because I think we would be hurtling towards those those numbers again. Yeah, to certainly I think interest is going to dip quite significantly. We'll see. We'll see if I can't imagine it will hit that sort of level, but yeah, I, I just think is it Alex Fisher that scored that goal for Yeovil? It was, yeah. They'd not yeah. been in the game at all, and then have that deep free kick, and it's just basically everything we do now, really. And I think Andrew Hawes mentioned it the other day on Twitter. We could just not go the way of Yeovil, who I was speaking to a Yeovil supporting friend of mine the other day, who's pretty convinced they'll be in the National League South next season. So if we could. We could avoid this sort of thing becoming a regular thing and stop the rot as quick as possible, and that would be lovely. Indeed, it would be. We talked about it on the pod uh, after the Hartlepool game, a screenshot of a table that's been doing the rounds that essentially shows that since that 5-2 win against Mansfield, our form would be relegation form. We'd be 23rd in the table, and it's a very tough thing um, to really present to a head coach. And Andrew Halls did a very good job in saying that that's not all down to you because there were, as we discussed previously, eight games under under Scott Lindsay in, in that time. And there weren't many wins in that. I think there were two. But he, he tried to bat it away. But oh gosh, it's, it's, it's damning, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it's even if you take out the the Lindsay games, I think we're still 22nd, 21st or something under Morris. So it's, it's hardly any better. Um, Yeah. He he sort of obviously took the route of, I can only judge since I've been here, but, and there were these issues and that, that issue, various things that have gone against, but I I think he was willing, he was for obvious reasons, willing to accept that the form has been really bad, but he he feels like he, and he said this a lot. And again, I don't really agree, but, saying that the performances are, for 75-odd minutes, have been reasonable and much better than that position in the table would indicate But in that in that scenario. But um, but he's sort of, again, there's this sort of incident after incident that shatters the confidence of the players late in games that has led them to the point where they, they couldn't even they couldn't protect anything in the final 15 minutes. I think if we were 5-0 up against Mansfield for whatever reason, I think I'd be half expecting a 5-all um, late late doors. And that's that's really snowballed and they get out the players. And he was he was kind of focusing on that and having to deal with, with that part and and dealing with the confidence issue that's beset the players. But he was certainly not, um, as we'll come to, accepting that there was too much blame at his door in that scenario. Oh, we're almost there. Do not fret. Um, he was asked about improving the group and it's very lazy of me and my mentality. And we've talked about this over the several weeks where I've been kind of like churn. There's going to be a churn. Of course, it's going to be a churn. And it's not just based on the fact that we always see players leave en masse in the summer. And that's mostly due to the fact that they're out of contract. And that's not really the case this year we see a few players leave without a doubt but a lot of them are contracted but the way Jody Morris talks about his players sometimes and we'll get to that bit suggests that he'd be more than happy to see a churn but what's he doing to improve the group between now and the end of the season yeah he was he was not at all well I think he even said before that he kind of had half an eye on next season and then 
brought that back in this press conference when there was even less on this season and said, you know, I'm I still need focus on getting on results this year. I'm like, why do we care? But he was, you know, he was dead set on keeping the energy up and continuing to try and improve the players on the training ground, which obviously he thinks next year would be pre season would be easier to do that in, but focus was still very much on what he can get out of this season, how he can get results now. Um, the word un- it being unprofessional to to think further ahead was was used. I think pragmatic more than unprofessional, but it is what it is. Um, he was uh, he's oh, didn't go into any specifics or anything about um, what, what that what that would what that would entail. But he's still still continuing to focus on this season at least publicly. I think that's fair enough. I think it's it's too there's too much issues. That could be caused if you just go, Wah, we'll just play the under 18s now for the remainder of the season, or we'll just let we'll let Bring go and then we'll play Copland or you know, and all those sort of noises that we've heard from fans. I get it. And I think if we were at the end of this month, I'd probably be like, Yeah, but at a time where they are struggling to sell season tickets from what I hear, you you can't down tools. You've you've got to keep working with your best players and hope for some improvement. Otherwise the optics it's it's an absolute catastrophe. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't mean you can completely down tools and I wouldn't suggest you know, getting, of course. getting all the kids out. It's just sort of maybe thinking more about how can we experiment with players who would almost certainly be involved next season. But my question ends up being partially about Harrison Minton and players like that who are sort of, do we keep them? Do we not? Is there a role for this person next year? How how can we try and adapt what we have been doing to make it more focused on on winning games next season more than thinking, all right, we're playing this team, so we're going to have to stop this, 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 and this kind of thing. So a bit more of a focus that way, and not not downing tools and not not trying to win games, but just trying to be a bit more experimental with it would be the the way I would be looking at this end of the season. Yeah. Well, Scunthorpe didn't get in trouble for it at the latter stages of last season, did they? When when they pretty much stitched uh, Northampton Town up on the final day and I think they played a week aside a week before too. It's a, yeah, um, we'll, we'll do our bit, I'm sure. Um, let's, let's move to the, the thing that we've been we've been sort of tiptoeing around because it was a little bit of frostiness. The question was absolutely sound. Um, your notes in the, in the vlog are <laughs> quite something. Talk to me about the question that was posed about Jody Morris taking responsibility for performances, because I think as a question, it's a good one. Yeah, I think it's a, it was a very good question. The, the, the way I report it was somewhat tongue in cheek, um, but it was, the, the question was, is he taking enough responsibility for the way performance is going and not protecting his players enough, given that every time he comes out, he slates them? And that is fact, isn't it? That, I mean, that, I've, I've listened to all the post-match and I don't think once he's gone, do you know what, that was on me today. No, he's. I, I don't think he's accepted that at any stage, which is, you know, for someone who's who come through youth coaching is interesting, I feel. You know, he's not got Jamal Muziala anymore, but... <laughs> Still, some of it's on him. You would think. Um, he's, he's, you know, he, was, he said that he completely didn't accept it at all. That he was that he was laying the blame at someone else's door every time. Um, he said that he speaks to the players differently to how he speaks to us. Obviously, 
um, which I would hope so, because if he speaks in the sort of length that he speaks to us, <laughs> I think they would get bored and not listen. But um, yeah, he was, is he, he, he's felt that he is self-critical when he looks back at the decisions he makes. I think sometimes there's a sort of willingness to not understand the question from managers. And I think that was kind of what came up here. He was talking about the individual decisions he was making within matches and whether he was being taking responsibility for those and not as much sort of uh, in press conferences where he where he lays out and says, these guys aren't doing what I'm asking them or whatever, which he does most of the time. And then he sort of confronts John and said, you know, can you give me a, a specific example of times where I haven't done this? And then I said that, you know, Johnny ducked it, which you know, he, he kind of did, kind of didn't. And I understand that completely because... You know, you, you want to have a good relationship with these guys and coming back and saying, well, literally every interview you've done since you've got here is is maybe somewhat antagonistic. But yeah, he was he was um he, he felt that he had taken responsibility and he had sort of tried to tell the players where he and they can improve. But, you know, I think I think the um the. <laughs> the transcripts would speak for themselves in that department. Yeah. Oh wow. The n- the next question is is about uh, Mansfield's record against Swindon, and I've just looked at it, and I think the key the key takeaway is is the county ground form. Um, I don't think we've conceded a goal at home to them since two thousand and two. And one, two, three, four, five games have followed since then. So in this century, because there was a huge gap between uh, playing Mansfield, between 87 and 2002, there were no games. Uh, we beat them in October 2002, 2-1, Parkin and Sabin. Then we beat them in April 2007, 2-0. And then in 2018, we beat them 1-0 and then 0-0 following season then in the ppg season we beat them one nil and then in 2021 we beat them one nil so for those expecting a uh, a 5-2 might be disappointed based on historic events yeah i would be surprised if this one went to the the record books quite so much and obviously morris isn't isn't going into well i mean we always play well against them here or always get results kind of thing if it, if it was us at Cheltenham, I would certainly think that was a, a complete sign in various other grounds around the country. But you know, he's obviously saying you know, he looks to the form book more than more than the history one for for where this game goes. But now there is, if those Mansfield players are aware of that thing, it can certainly become something of a mental block. He, you know, I think, as a Chelsea supporter, he must know Tottenham and Chelsea have that sort of relationship as well. I'm just blown away with the amount of goals that have been scored in the away games in comparison to the ones at the county ground. <laughs> so it's just it's completely distracted me. Um, but, oh, my goodness, my uh, my kingdom for a clean sheet this weekend. I mean, that must be... That must mean I'm incredibly unlucky because I went up there and I think we drew nil-nil under Wellens. Yeah, that was the only... <laughs> the one time I've been to the one call. <laughs> of course... Mild contract talk. Uh, we're not gonna. We're not gonna get anything, are we? Until the announcements are made, and even then, we'll probably have to wait until the first day of training when we see pictures and go, "Oh, so and so's here." I thought they were out of contract. Oh, it turns out they had a trigger and things like that. So conversations are being had, which I imagine can be as vague as "You here next year?" Nah. Or or are you interested? Maybe. 
Yeah, the I think uh, you're probably bang on with with where the conversations are because we are into April now. So that that stuff you would think would be if they were keen on keeping someone like a Rashan Hepler Murphy, those conversations would be at least slightly um, down the road. But he was never going. He was obviously never going to tell us um, where they actually are in regards to those things. But I think conversations with various players would be like, would you stay? If you pay me a lot of money, we're not going to pay you a lot of money. Then no. <laughs> Who signs new contracts in April unless they've had absolute stinking seasons or been injured for most of it? No one does, do they? Yeah, in many ways it would be negligence on the part of the agent to have committed this early because there was there's no real reason to if you can explore the market at least a little bit towards the end of the season, see what options might be on the table and then you make that decision. But yeah, I think... I, I would be surprised if, if you are essentially either sign a contract well in advance or on the day that the retained list gets announced. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, well, a, a, another week where there's no player, which makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, they, they don't want to be uh, troubled when, when the going is, uh, when the going is tough, but there's not much we can do about that. Is there? No, the the ones where they're at, um, Beversbrook never, really, never have players. So I think, anyone's ever come into the random toilet that they they come in on team's <laughs> call i think i imagine they're all getting coming in and getting ready for training when we speak tomorrow so i was never on the cars and i imagine it'll be a similar story for for monday's game as well yeah okay well let's let's finish this episode with the joe zone onwards huzzah sort of again on the summer a bit it feels like that's going to be very important and your relationship with Sandro for building a team for next year is quite key. So, how how have you got on with Sandro so far? Do you feel like he's given you that kind of um, support you need as yet? Yeah, I've got on, I've got on well with him. Um, but ultimately, it's I suppose the summer is the the testing, seeing what we can do. But I don't think it's just how me and Sandro get, and I think it's what's what's possible at the football club as well. Do you know what I mean? So. Um, there's certainly a lot of conversations that need to be carried on and um, revisited and stuff. So, um, yeah, I've got on fine with Sandro, to be fair. Um, as I said before, I think if you're not, it'd be, it'll be rare if you kind of agreed on everything in football anyway. I mean, I'm sure us four can sit down and have a conversation about what team we should be playing tomorrow and maybe all four of us might have something different. Um, it, I think it's no different when you kind of revisit different areas of the football club where you, you think that there's things that need to change your players that maybe that you're looking at next year. But um, at the moment, this said I, th- I think it's a bit of a process, but um, rather than kind of get kind of focus on. Did, does he feel like someone you can build a sort of a title-winning squad with? Have you got that sense? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, we have to we have to try it. We have to, that's, that's, that needs to be our our sole focus. Um, and I don't think you you get any idea of what you're like building or trying to build a squad when we haven't even started that process yet, and nothing's kind of changed. I haven't we haven't been able to do anything yet, and we kind of don't know where we're going to be um, as far as what we're going to be able to do so um, 
I think those conversations, well, they have started, but they need to keep being revisited and see see where we go with it. But yeah, I'm absolutely fully focused on that when um, the time is right for us to kind of be talking about that. Yeah, and then for the rest of this season, I think 12 points is the gap now to the playoffs, so that's increasingly unlikely. Is there a chance for someone like, you mentioned Connor Brand maybe getting playing time, is there a chance for maybe to Harrison Minturn or someone like that who hasn't played as much to get a run in the team from now until the end of the season? Uh, maybe. Um, I'm not I'm not sure Connor's uh, there at, at, at the moment. Um, that'll be conversations that I'll be having with, with, with Mildy. I'm not, as I said, I don't think he's actually physically ready for sort of that sort of side of stuff yet. But, um, and other players, again, as much as you, you maybe want to look the future, I still need to concentrate on getting um, the right result and putting out a team that can perform to the best for Swindon and for the players and the fans. So um, I'm not going to be handing out appearances just for for charity, um, and that's not for one second. Me trying to address playing Minnow as charity is it's not. I'm just saying that I'm using that as an example of. Um, playing is because I think I feel that it's the best possible team to put out to try and get a result and performance. That's all for me. Thanks, Jody. Okay, so relationship with Sandro Di Michele, the man who who doesn't really get talked about at the moment. He's, as we discussed recently, he's faded into the shadows, uh, shut us down, but still very much at the club, preparing for what I dare say will be a busy summer. Dodging is, is pretty much the response. Yeah, I think on the Deep Haley stuff, we're probably not really going to hear from him too much outside of transfer windows generally, unless um, unless a, a, a manager leaves. So yeah, we'll, we'll probably he'll come out the woodwork again come come May time, June. I would I would presume. But yeah, he he, he said that he didn't have he said he had a pretty good relationship with him, but he was um, certainly not talking in the way that I was kind of hoping he might um, about what, what his relationship is like with, with Dean McKayley and, you know, he was kind of focused on <laughs> stock answers about focusing on next season and that being the important time, but not any specifics about how he gets on with his uh, technical director. Yeah. Yeah. And a bad time for, for the fringe. Um, we won't be seeing many other players than the sort of, 14 15 that we have on rotation at the moment pray for key and harry's yeah but i think key and harry's wouldn't even count as fringe anymore after last <laughs> week but uh, harrison minton called a charity case as well and then quickly tracked back obviously um it, the words are out there they're, they will shortly be in print those words um it was <laughs> yeah it's, it doesn't sound like he's gonna give anyone a chance which which as i said is, is something that i feel like I would try and do as in this situation, but um, we'll we'll continue to see the players that we actually play normally, and then maybe we'll have a have an end of season situation um, come Crawley. But it's it's not looking likely. We'll see seven eight games of Harrison Minturn in a row. Prediction nil nil. <laughs> Prediction two nil Mansfield. Oh, Joe. Why have you got to be against the people? I want to start picking up points on the predictions table. Yeah, okay, okay, well, 
Um, I get, I'll get a point regardless of the draw. That's all I'm saying. Um, okay, well, we'll leave it at that. How we got three quarters of an hour from this, I will never know, but we, we do it. Joe, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Rich. The Low Strangers is an independent podcast and views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The intro music of the presser is by the amazing Drag Me Down, influenced by the great Matthew Kilford. And the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Has a bubble? <sighs> That's all I've got. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.